Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Better never rest. What is up, everybody? It's the Georgia Show, Thursday morning edition. You got two jabronis here because Jake Rowe. Yeah, not. We, it's always a couple of jabronis on this show, but um, they, they just let us. They just let us out of the cage, man. We do get to be on this YouTube channel sometimes. Yeah, every once in a while, you get to see our faces. Um, I'm Palmer Toms. That's Jake Roos, and this is the Georgia Show. We are Dogs HQ, um, and today we are talking NFL Combine. Um, today is the first day of on-field workouts. Interviews started yesterday. Jake Rowe is up there and will have us covered all week long with the 11, 11, 1, 1 Georgia players that are in attendance. That number leads the SEC. Um, the, you know, an interesting group. I mean, you know, the tonight we've got um, defensive linemen and linebackers working out. Only one Georgia player represented there. That would be Zion Logue. Um, and I've got a piece up that went up yesterday about the fact that there's not a ton of – that there's no representation of Georgia linebackers, but that is not at all a representation of what Georgia linebackers are, um, that you know that group is, is still plenty fine and that there's tons of potential there. Um, the lack of them at the Combine shows the potential that there is – in 2024, um, from there, those guys interviewed yesterday. Um, from there, we'll see interviews today for defensive backs and tight ends. That is a heavy group for Georgia with four guys there, three DBs, and, of course, Brock Bowers. Um, those guys will work out tomorrow and then Saturday and Sunday. You get offensive linemen on Sunday to round things out with the quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. That is the signature day of the combine, Saturday starting at 1 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Jake, I, I guess, you know, let's just talk combine f- first, you know. Um, what wh- What's your biggest thing that you're looking for to see out of the Georgia crew that's up there? You know, I think that some of these guys have a chance to make some headway for themselves, and that's always what's exciting about the combine, in my opinion, um, is just the opportunity for guys to go show out, um, you know, kind of make themselves – uh, a little bit more well-known and, um, you know, kind of further their stock. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see how a guy like Tyke Smith does in the combine setting. Um, you know, not a guy that we would necessarily maybe expect to test the best, um, but, you know, how does he do? Um, Marcus Roseme Jack Saint, uh, another guy who I think can really uh, help and possibly hurt his stock, uh, depending on how things go. And, um, you know, Zion Logue, definitely a guy that I'll be watching to make some headway too. Um, probably, I would say, of the guys in George's group, maybe the least discussed uh, is yeah. Zion Logue. Um, so, you know, a guy who has a chance to really step things up 
and prove to people why he got this invite, why he was such a key part of the Bulldogs. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about, in my opinion. You know how guys like Brock Bowers are going to do. Um, you you even look, it, it doesn't matter. Brock Bowers could come out, fall down on both of his 40 attempts. Uh, and, and then, uh, it, but it doesn't matter if you don't take Brock Bowers in the you know first round, you're, you're going to be looking foolish later on. So, yeah. uh, Kamari Lasseter, I think is one of those guys pretty well established. I don't think that he's necessarily, um, going to, uh, lose much from this. I think that, you know, he could gain a little bit for sure. Uh, if, if he runs well, but you know, overall, I think that, um, you know, Georgia, once again, just kind of reinforcing that idea of development and uh, the fact that so many of these guys are there. So many teams want to see them in person, have a chance to see them go, go through these uh, drills. It speaks to what Georgia does, what Georgia has built. And I think that that's, what's all important when you're looking at the combine, it's, it's another chance for Georgia to um, put its name out there on a, on a national stage and uh, show that not only do they get these guys uh, to this level, but they get them super prepared for it as well. And, and it feels like every year, you know, we, we've been covering this the last couple of years at Dogs HQ. Um, that every year there's been somebody that just that, that Georgia has kind of stolen the combine the last two years. Um, and, and I mean, obviously that shows in in the draft numbers as well with UGA leading the way over the last two um, years. Obviously. That 2022 draft, 15 players were picked. That's a modern record in from a single school. Last year, there were 10 guys picked. I want to say that they were tied with Alabama there. Um, maybe, maybe TCU um, or, or Michigan. One, one of those, one of those programs that was uh, a really competitive team back in in uh, 2022. Um, Georgia had 10 guys picked in 2023 though. Um, and, and, you know, then we're looking at 11 to get invited. Um, UGA continuing to show out at the draft at the combine. Um, you know, it, it, it's certainly an opportunity to continue, you know, it, it can just as much be about the program um, as it is about the player, because I think that, you know, I mean, I remember last year, you know, Nolan Smith and the way that he just absolutely dominated that first night and and then, you know, steps onto the NFL Network set and gives a recruiting pitch for Georgia and is like, look, come to Georgia because we, you know, they prepare you for this. You know, we, we've been training to do this and that and, you know, um, you know, as, as, as much as they are college football players, you know, Georgia prepares them to be professional football players as well. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of the names that, that I'd want to highlight here. Um, Jake did a piece about the guys that he's looking forward to seeing the most. Um, Jake Rowe, that would be. Um, you know, I did a piece about the, the five guys that I thought had the most to gain. And, and you're absolutely right there on Kamari Lassiter. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I'm looking at to be a, uh, you know, potential riser. Um, you, you look at some mock drafts and, We've got a roundup for you over on Dogs HQ, a recent roundup of, of those mock drafts. Fringe first-round guy, um, you know, and, and as you look at the cornerback class, there's probably six, seven guys that could go in the first round. Um, after that, I think there's a drop-off, and, and Kamari is certainly in that upper echelon of, of corners. Um, does he secure himself a first-round spot? That is a big 
Um, you know, how does he compare testing wise to those other guys? And obviously a lot of it is going to have to do with how does he fit into the specific schemes of the teams that are picking. Um, but I think that Kamari Lasseter, you know, an, an underrated and undervalued guy, um, you know, when, when you look at the list of top corners in college football this past year, you know, PFF and this and that, and it's just like, where's Kamari Lasseter? Because that guy just did not give up big plays, didn't give up touchdowns. I mean, his numbers were fantastic. Georgia, you know, not necessarily a team that puts a corner on a specific player, but when we saw Kamari playing against those top receivers, and there were a lot of them, um, he did really well, you know. And, and then the one time that they did decide to kind of make him a, a shadow guy for a specific player, they they changed up his position a little bit and put him in the slot and had him play star matched up with Luther Burden against Missouri. That, you know, was a huge factor in that game. Um, you know, so I, I, Kamari is one that certainly intrigues me on the offensive – or excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, on the offensive side, the the one – and and – you know, uh, before I shift away completely, I think that you're absolutely right on Tyke Smith. You know, somebody that may not be looked at as the best tester. Um, you know, and it was interesting listening to Matt Miller um, talk about Georgia defensive backs. And he, you know, said that they're really hard to evaluate because of how well that they've been coached. And you've got to wonder if they've just maxed out their skill set. And Tyke would be, it, you know, he didn't say Tyke specifically, but it felt like he was talking about Tyke because you know, maybe not necessarily looked at as highly in the draft as, as a Lassiter or a Javon Bullard. Um, but, you know, well, and that's to me, that's where testing numbers can really benefit a guy like. Tyke. Absolutely. Let's he's, let's say he's let's say he's maxed out his potential. Right. In terms of what he's able to do on the field. That's still a lot. He was still a great contributor for Georgia. He was very hard nosed, uh, very reliable, a guy who has been there. He's done it. Um, you know, I think that he's a guy that you boost that stock with some some good numbers and you can really no, elevate yourself. Absolutely. Kamari Lasseter to me, look, turn the tape on. I mean, uh, you're, you got to trust your eyes when you're talking about Kamari Lasseter. He can, I think, wow people and probably cause people to dive in further on his tape, depending on what he does up in Indianapolis. Yes. But somebody is going to get a hell of a cornerback and, with Kamari Lasseter. Regardless. And, and and there's levels to this, you know, t you know, Ty Key is talking, we're talking about, you know, this guy is securing himself a, a you know, draft pick, maybe a fourth round pick instead of a sixth round pick or whatever. Um, you know, but because he, you know, is a proven player. I, I don't think that we're talking about Ty Key Smith making a jump into day two. Now with Kamari Lasseter, I'd be shocked if he made it out of the second round, out of the top 50, probably. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, when I say that there's levels to this, his his most to gain isn't necessarily like, hey, is he going to get picked? Where is he going to go? It's how high can he get picked? How much money can he make in, in you know, testing well and, and comparing to those other top corners? Um, but, but both those guys, both those defensive backs, and, and for different reasons, intriguing. Um, where, where I was going with this on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I, I look at Georgia's offensive linemen that are going to be there, Amarius Mims and Cedric Van Pran, as probably the two that I think that have the most to gain. Um, you know, you could make a case for the receivers, you know, Marcus being kind of in that same category as, as Tyke of somebody that's proven his production, um, you know, but but may not, you know, may not be um, 
you know, thought of as, as a day two type guy, Lad being in that same tier as, as Kamari, where it's like, hey, can he make that jump into day one? Um, but with the offensive linemen, Mims and, and Van Pran, you know, Mims, we're talking about somebody that only has eight career starts under his belt. And that's going to be a big question. Teams are going to wonder, hey, you know, you don't have that much experience. Why should we take a gamble on you, you know, when we could go with this other guy that has a little bit more experience? I think and, what he I think what he's going to do uh, in these testing is, yep. is exactly what's going to compel them to freakish uh, on field testing. freakish just freakish ability and and i mean that's that's what convinces a team that it just doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter if he's played in eight games or or 38 games you know and so you know i i think that we're talking about you know one of the most talented physically gifted guys that had some bad injury luck this past season and was behind a you know really good offensive lineman you know nfl draft guys um his first two years on campus i mean you look at the tackles that georgia has put out and they've been productive i mean jamari salyer goes and and starts as a rookie with the chargers um the other tackle on that team uh you know the other two tackles that that salyer played with on that 2021 national championship team broderick jones first round pick and uh warren mcclendon who went on and and you know played and was a contributor for the Rams this year. So um, that's the kind of people that Amarius Mims was behind. It's not that he's not a good player. He was a five star for a reason. He's going to test freakishly, especially if that ankle is is completely healed. Um, obviously, re injured it a little bit. I, I actually think he injured the opposite ankle. He had. Surgery on one of the ankles, um, you know, that caused him to miss some time in, in season. And then he re-injured, um, got hurt again in the SEC championship game. If if you can test well, you know, as an offensive lineman and, and just, you know, blow people away, that, that you know, inexperience isn't going to matter. Well, and I think, too, uh, it's interesting that you point that out because uh, the idea of testing doesn't matter. We talked about several guys that it does matter for. And I think that that speaks a lot to Georgia's recruiting. I think that uh, both angles of this, right? We're talking about guys who have potentially maxed out their uh, potential, but have been very solid players. We're talking about guys who also maybe haven't even scratched the surface of their potential because they were behind some great players. So it's really kind of both plays uh, for Georgia. They know how to find the guys. They know how to develop the guys. And in some cases, they know how to maximize their guys. And I think that all three of those things are what keep NFL teams coming back to what the Georgia Bulldogs do in terms of their talent, what they're able to develop, and the guys that they're able to put into the league. Now, I think the other thing that you're not going to see necessarily from the testing portion of this, obviously the interview portion to some degree, mm-hmm. will be you know how they prepare, how they speak to the media, how they uh, speak in front of these teams. But the legacy Georgia has created over the last few years in terms of what those guys have been able to go in and do and the kind of men that they've put out uh, in terms of uh, NFL rosters, I think is another aspect of this that keeps these guys coming back. It's not necessarily all about how fast you can run. They want good stewards of the community. They want people who can get out there and be involved, speak on behalf of the team, be good representatives. 
Georgia has proven kind of time and time again that it has those guys. It trains them not only on the field, but off the field as well. And it's something that you hear consistently in this setting, but also on the recruiting front as well. Kids and, are talking about that, uh, you know, pretty consistently too. And and having been there last year for that Nolan Smith interview, that's exactly what it was. It was NFL people coming up to me being like, hey, hey, you, you were in that Georgia group. You know, you cover Georgia. Is this guy always like this? You know, is he always this impressive? Well, it, well here's the thing. I, Nolan Smith to me, total outlier, right? Because he there was there, the like, there wasn't there was no training necessary for Nolan no, Smith. He's no. just been that dude his whole life. Yeah, he he has. But I mean, somebody else that I think is is going to blow people away and really impress people is Cedric Van Pran. I, I mean, you know, and I brought him up as somebody that I think intrigues me on the field because. You know, he, he's an incredibly talented interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, center is probably a lesser valued position in the draft than obviously tackle. Um, but we were talking about Cedric coming into the season as one of the top centers in the country. We were talking about Cedric as a guy that turned down the NFL and was going to be one of the top taken centers last year to come back to Georgia, you know, for some unfinished business um, to, to better himself. And, and yeah, it, it didn't turn out the way that he wanted it to, but he continued to imp improve. He continued to impress. And, and I think that while he's prob he's slipped behind a couple of guys, the Oregon center, Jackson Powers Johnson, I want to say his name. Um, there, there's a Duke guy. Um, I want to say his name is Graham Barton. Um, you're just making names up, right? No, no, no. These just as easily could have these just as easily could have been my classmates in high school. They are. These are frat brothers of Palmer Tom. So just no. When when you sit in on on Daniel Jeremiah and Matt Miller, you know, talking about these guys for hours and hours and hours, you pick up on it a little bit. But nonetheless, we were talking about Cedric as one of the top centers. He's maybe slipped into that second or third center. I think that he's got an opportunity with the interviews and with a, you know, impressive on-field workout. Um, you know, he decided not to go and, and participate in the senior bowl after having accepted that invite. Uh, why is that? Is there some injury concern that that's something that'll come out in, you know, with all the medicals that these guys do. Um, you know, but I think that overall Cedric is somebody that is going to a impress on the field and b impress as as a representative for Georgia. Don't overthink it. That's my my yep. thing with Cedric Van Pran. You thought he was the number one center last year. I don't think he did much to hurt himself this year, and he's going to nail the interviews. He's going yep. to be that guy, right? Center, like you said, a, a potentially devalued position comparative to other. It's not a left tackle. Okay, so I understand that. But this is a guy that if you thought he was that guy last year, not much has changed. He was that guy, and he's been that guy. That's the thing. You know, you want to talk about the limiting experience of Amarius Mims, eight starts. How does that affect it? Cedric Van Prant, tons of experience under his belt. A guy that has been a stalwart for this line. Um, and I think 44 consecutive starts, I think, because 15 and 21, 15 and yeah. 22, and 14 this past year if my math he knows, is how, he knows how to win and he knows how to get the ball to the quarterback and yeah. he knows how to I represent mean, the right way so. and 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 that's going to be something to watch for georgia this year because i think that fans definitely you know took that a little bit for granted of cedric's just going to get it there and 
You know, the, the I mean, he, he had what maybe two fumbled snaps over the course of his career and and recovered one of them and, and picked up a first down with it. Um, yeah. that, that was a, that was a great play there. Um, every offensive lineman's dream. And, come, and, and the thing about it is, again, uh, you go, go back to the recruiting aspect. I'm always going to turn it back there because that's what I focus on, but came from a great uh, program in high school. This kid has been taught right the whole way, man. He has really been under some fantastic instruction, played down there at Warren Easton in New Orleans, one of the top programs in the state of Louisiana year in and year out. So he's a guy who has had excellent, excellent preparation throughout his football career. And I think, like I said, don't overthink Cedric Van Prant. If you're looking for a center, he's the guy I tend to lean on. Um, I, admittedly, I don't watch a lot of Oregon or Duke football. Uh, those don't come across very often. I'm pretty well locked into uh, Georgia football. But the guy has been tremendous. He's done it in big situations consistently. And, um, you know, I, I think that it, it, to me it's a no-brainer. If you're looking for that guy for your team, I think he's got to be that guy. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No doubt, no doubt. So we've talked offensive linemen. We've talked defensive backs. Let's get into, you know, we, we mentioned Zion Logan and the defensive linemen. That covers the defensive side of the ball for Georgia and the offensive line of scrimmage. Let's talk the skill players. Let's talk the guys that get the ball in their hands. They've got five of them there, two running backs, Dejan Edwards, Kendall Milton, two receivers, Lad McConkey, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint, and, of course, the tight end, Brock Bowers. No quarterback at the combine this year, and and that's a good thing for Georgia. It's a good thing that they've got Carson Beck coming back, um, and that he's not you know taking that leap. Um, so you know that, that you know that'll be welcomed. Um, but of those five guys that are playing with the ball in their hands, who is it that you think can make the biggest impression at the combine this week? that's tough. I mean, I, I think that obviously you, you, when you're talking about biggest, like a jump to the first would be huge for lad. There's no doubt about that. I think that, you know, Rose what are you Mead, watching for then? Let's, let's, let's narrow it down. I, okay. So what I'm watching for, I, I'm I, the guy I'm probably watching the closest is going to be Kendall Milton, to be yep, honest. That's, you, that's where I because, because of what we saw from him down the stretch, man, we finally got healthy Kendall Milton and he was excellent, right? Not a lot of tread on the tires for the guy. The NFL teams are going to know that um, he's not been used as heavily because of those injuries along the way. Um, but when he's been out there, he's been super effective. He's got a big frame so he can be that big bruiser for you in the uh, backfield, but he's also got that ability to make a guy miss. Um, he's got the acceleration. I'm interested to see how he runs. And I think that that's what it'll come down to for him. Um, I think if he's able to put together a good 40 time and really that's the case for both of these backs, uh, you know, if Dacian Edwards comes out there and really lights up the 40 people's radars are going to suddenly be going up because he has been so shifty throughout his career, a guy that you could lean on when you needed those four yards um, just all the time, man. So I think that the two backs to me are, the ones that I'll be watching closest because I don't know that we know 
how they're going to do in that setting as well. I feel like I have a good idea of how uh, Marcus Roseway Jackson is going to perform. I think that his 40 number will probably not blow people away. I think it'll be solid, but I don't know that it's going to just be earth shattering. He's not going to come out here and Chris Conley this thing. He'll he'll kill the gauntlet because he's got those big, uh, sticky Mickey Mouse hands. And, uh, you know, he'll get through all the passing drills, I think, with ease. So, uh, you know, I think that he's probably, he could boost it a bit. I just don't know that I think that it's probably headed that way. I do think, though, Marcus Rosemary Jackson, and I've said this since he was in high school, that guy is going to have a long career, I think, in the league because I think he does everything, and I think he does everything well. He's maybe not the best at anything, but he is a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy, keeps his nose down, gets in there and works. I think that he's the kind of guy that NFL teams are looking for as a value pick in those second and third days, a guy that can be kind of a – a maybe under talked about cornerstone of your franchise. Well, I mean, he was a top 100 player in the country coming out of high school, you know, sure. and you mentioned, you know, a successful program that, that Cedric came out of. There's not many more successful programs in the country than St. Thomas Aquinas sure. um, down in South Florida there. So, but, but the knocks against the knocks against Marcus are the same now as they were then which is that he's not a burner. You you knew yeah. that going in. You know, he, he was going to be a bigger bodied guy. What is he? Six, two ish. I think is probably where he's going to check yes, in. Right. He's listed um, at six, two, one ninety five. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit bigger guy, but like I said, to me, the hands, the makeup men- mentally, um, those are the two things that are going to propel him forward. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what do you, what do you think lad's going to run? That's that's that that might be because uh, I completely agree with you on Kendall and and Dejan. I think that those two guys can impress. Um, you know, again, going back to the recruiting rankings of these guys, Kendall was one of those highly touted players coming out of high school, and um, you know, it's it's something that these NFL scouts and evaluators take notice of. They know. You know, it's a lot of the same evaluation that you're doing. You know, obviously you turn on the tape. Um, The the draft process is very similar to the recruiting process in that way, where it's you turn on the tape and and you take the tape for what it's worth. um, But you've also got to evaluate and and weigh, you know, how does how much weight do you put into the tape? How much weight do you put into the traits? And you know, how fast is, is this guy? How big is this guy? Whatever. Um, Kendall is, is one of those guys that has good tape, especially late in that, in his career, he's going to have knocks because he wasn't necessarily out there and and those medicals might hurt him. Um, but the traits are there. And and so, you know, that's somebody that, that I, I think probably gets a day three pick um running back is is pretty tough to project because those guys are just so expendable in the nfl now um you know teams would rather i i I feel like you see a lot of really good college running backs going in day three and it's like how did xyz get to you know the sixth round um you know and, and it's because these teams know hey we don't need to take a running back on day one or day two we can get a really good one and and you know pay a lot less for it. There's a lot less um, stock that they're putting into it when they're, um, when they're taking them late. And, and so 
wouldn't shock me if if both those guys went. Um, my gut, my prediction would be that Kendall goes and Dejan doesn't. Um, but in again, going back to those draft calls with Matt Miller, he's got Edwards higher than he does Milton, and and he said. Quote, Edwards is a player I want to revisit post-combine and review his senior bowl week. That yeah. says, you know, they've had – he's got an eye on him, and there's something there. The goal line ability, um, you know, the start-stop ability, and then proving himself and showing that he's got some pass-catching traits as well. Um, there's a lot to like with both those guys. But I think that when we're talking about these five, Lad's 40 time is the biggest and, and and I guess Brock's time as well. You know, for, for matters. I don't think it matters. I think that b- because because Brock's football speed is no, I, is. I, I do agree with you. I do agree. No, with I'm you. not saying I'm not saying he could come not, out late. The, it doesn't matter, but it's intriguing because yeah. of how big he is and, and all that. Um, but I mean, there's no doubt he's the top tight end, and and so yeah, I think that. Yeah, you don't want him coming out and laying an egg with a five flat. I mean, you know, that would that would be shocking, of course. But, you know, that was a very long-winded way to ask me what I think I think <laughs> last, uh, 40 times going to be. Um, uh, I Every, think, everything I, think, I do I think, is 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 long winded. I think um, I think Lad's going to be in that four four range somewhere. Personally, I think that he has those kind of quicks. I think he could potentially dip down into four three. I think that he has that kind of speed in there. And with the training, with the focus, he could get there. And if he gets there, now we're talking about a very, very intriguing conversation because a lot of it's going to come down to medicals, uh, I think, with him as well. Again, like Bowers, I think that the tape says what it says about him. He's a great player, and he consistently was. But he dealt with those injury situations, and, you know, He's a smaller guy. And so, you know, that's going to be on the mind of, of NFL teams, and rightfully so. Is is Ladin a better or worse draft spot, in a better or worse position going into this draft than he would have been had he come out last year? I think he's probably in a worse spot. Personally. Yeah. I do because of the because of the injuries that he sustained this year. I think that that's probably a knock on him. Now, he probably – so I mean, then, then we're talking about him being a, a for I, if 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 he's in a worse spot right now, we're talking about him being a potential first round pick. You know, if if last year he would have been in a better spot, are we talking about him being a surefire first round pick? I or or no, is that no? Or is that here's you know, the thing? Hey, fringeness of it. The hey, he could be what he was pre twenty twenty three. My thought is all things the same. Let's assume that he were to test the same last year. Right. Yep. The same this year. I think that the injury concern is probably more prevalent this go round than it was last That's fair. year. That's fair. And, and so because I think you just add another one to the list, you know, it's exactly you, you can do the head, shoulders, knees and toes, you know, type thing with him. He's got a back, he's got an ankle, he's had a knee. Um, you know, the back wasn't an issue before 2023. Um, and, and the ankle is a bigger issue now. Now, I don't know how much a sprained ankle is, is a big issue. Um, when you talk about draft and, and combine, that's something that these guys get over. Um, it, it's a pain in the, you know, what to but is it, deal with it, in but season. The, the concern I think becomes, is it recurrent? 
Is this is this something we're going to be dealing with at the next level? Oh, you know, yeah. be a guy who is susceptible to this. And, you know, if it's not an ankle, is it a shoulder? Is it a back? Is it, you know, to me, once you start stockpiling those things, then that's how you end up with that injury prone label. And I'm not yeah. saying that about Lad. He's he's very he's tough. He's played through a lot more of that than people probably realize as well. But I think that, yeah, all testing numbers the same. The less question marks you can have around yourself, the better. And my hope is that teams are not blown away with Lad, and he slides to the Atlanta Falcons in the second round, and we all walk away happy and thrilled about what we uh, have. Hey, the uh, the Tennessee Titans fan over here is hoping the exact same thing. <laughs> Wouldn't mind AD Mitchell there either. So, yeah, um, no, no, no doubt, no doubt, AD would be great, man. And like I said, to me. Marcus is one of those guys that, it, like I said, not going to kill you with the numbers, but I think it's going to do going to do well, and I, I think do do well at the next level. So, what's your over under? Let me ask you this: going into this week, before we even know any of these numbers, what's your over? How many guys get picked? Mm -hmm. If I let me here, I'll in fact I'll set it for you. Uh, let let's set that number at eight and a half. I think I'd go over there. I mean, okay. To, what if I what if I said what if I said nine and a half? I think I'd go under. I, I think nine is probably where I'm falling. That's where uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I, to me, the to me the guys eight and a half feels low because because you've got eleven guys here, and you know just just talking about it. Brock is going, Lad is going, Kamari's going, Bullard. Um, I, I think that Tyke Smith goes. Marcus, um, yes. You know Amarius. You know Cedric you know and Amarius, yep. So th that right there, that's eight. Your fr fringe guys are the two running backs, Kendall and um, Kendall and Dajan, and one of those guys would get you to nine. Now, if if you consider Tyke Smith maybe a fringe guy, which I think he would have been last year, um, you know, that, that eight and a half number, that's where the under comes in. The that's under comes the in with Tyke, the two running backs, and, and, Logue. Uh, and Logue obviously not getting picked. Yeah, see, I I am I think eight and a half is – I think eight and a half is the right number to set it at. I agree. Um, I th because because I think, eight is in play, but I think that the that, – One that, of the running backs. One of the I running think that one of those guys – and, and I think that Tyke Smith will get picked. Um, But – Georgia's been in double digits the last uh, two years for sure. Um, I don't know that they're getting there. Do you think there's a chance all 11 go? Mm, no, I don't. Oh, um, okay. I, I, I don't, I don't see a world in which all 11 go. Um, but I think that there's a chance that we could get to 10. Yeah, no, I think so too. And and, and and that's where I feel safe with that nine number. I I, I don't know. I I've, I would say, like I said, over on eight and a half, I feel good that they're going to get nine. Ten is where, you know, eh, can they get there? Would be impressive. Eleven, I don't see it, but that would speak volumes about, you know, that Georgia G and, and you know, what the NFL thinks about players from Georgia taking a chance on a guy like a Zion Logue that, that, you know, may not necessarily be an NFL type player, but Hey, he played at Georgia. And so maybe he is. 
Um, that's that's what that would say to me. Um, but eight is not off the table, and that would be a um, you know dooms. It, it's not a doomsday scenario, but that would take guys that were expecting to get picked not getting picked. Sure. No, it's pretty damn good. Which, you know, the NFL draft surprises us every year. I did not have Nicobe Dean going in the third round. I didn't have Justin Schaefer going before Jamari Salyer. I didn't no. have Keely Ringo falling to day three. Nope. No, I agree. So I agree. there's there's a lot of time left before that, but that will do it for our time here. Um, we will be back with you on Sunday to wrap up the combine recap. Jake Rowe will be back with us. Um, and we hope, we hope he's back with us. If, if, if he survives cold Indy, uh, on his own, um, I think he has to survive Espelon Reposado is the, <laughs> you said it, you said it. Um, but cold, cold, cold Indianapolis, the, the city made for gerbils. Um, we've got, Jake up there. So be sure to tune, tune back in, keep an eye on this YouTube channel for all the combine coverage from there. Join us Sunday night as, as we are uh, recapping the combine and then bark after dark is back next week. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. We uh, we're, we're locking in our guests. Um, we think we know who it's going to be, but we don't want to announce it just yet. We want to do some double checking, but we will be back one way or the other. If it's, if we don't have a guest, it may just be me and Roe. Kind of, uh, you know, getting together and and you've always got the Palmer Tom's episode in your back pocket. We we do. We've always got the Palmer Tom's episode. So, so, but that'll do it for us on today's episode of the Georgia Show. I am Palmer Tom's. That is Jay Cruz, and we are Dogs HQ. Thanks, y'all. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.